When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, yes, it's Hump Day on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Get at us on Twitter at Chris Carlin and at ChrisCanny99. Mike in the Bronx, Travis in the SIP. We see you on the call-in line. We're going to get to you. But, big fella, right now we do have to go out to the CC call-in line and bring on our good friend, Sports Center anchor and diehard Philly sports fan, Kevin Nagandi and Kevin going into game two tonight. I'm trying to figure out what stage of grief you're at with your 76ers. Are you still in the denial phase? Are you in the acceptance phase? Are are you in the let's just blame Doc Rivers phase? Where are you at with this thing? <laughs> uh, I love this tee up here, Canty. Um, <laughs> so listen, like the way the the game one started, I was already like, hey man, it's a good run. The basketball gods. They're just not in line with Philly and poor Joel Embiid. And then, you know, they had that run late in the second quarter, and then you get sucked in, right? Every time you get out, they keep pulling you back in. But let's, I mean, let's face it, guys. Like, they don't have enough firepower. And the way this team was constructed a couple years ago, they were a defensive-minded team, right? So they sacrificed defense to bring on shooters, and the shooters haven't been hitting shots. And that's the difference. You can't go six for 34 from three without Joel Embiid and think you're going to be in a game against the Heat, who I think is beatable. It's just they don't have Joel. But this is kind of how sick we are in Philadelphia. I think there's hope, and I think he's coming back in game three, and I think that this still can be a series. Yeah, you're sick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like he's an acceptance, though. That's okay. Kevin DeGondi, strong, strong Philly guy. No question. That's that's the way to call him with the respect, Philly guy. And he he knows it. Listen, Kevin, you know, with James Harden right now, what's your feeling on what the Sixers need to do here long term? Because it's pretty clear that James Harden is not the same player that he was in Houston two years ago. Guys, doesn't he look like that that 30-year-old running back who had, you know, five 1,000-yard seasons, was the MVP, and then all of a sudden by the time he gets to 30, he's got nothing. He's a shell of himself. That's exactly what he looks like. Uh, clearly Harden knew going to Brooklyn, playing the role of facilitator, you could hide some things, and every few nights you can turn it up when you have KD and Kyrie. But as a number two here when it comes to offensive firepower, it's just not there. And if you're seeing that now – and then you decide to extend him to a max deal over the next four to five years, my goodness, all I got to say is I feel really bad for Joel Embiid because he has done everything possible. And this organization has tried multiple times to surround him. And they thought they they had the foundations with Simmons and Embiid. And everybody around him has fallen short. The hope is Tyreek Maxey can develop through the years. I, I just think that if you sign James Harden to a max deal over the next five years, uh, Philly's not going to win anything because there's no way you're going to have enough room to add more players unless you find a way to say, hey, James, don't take the max. 
take some money off of this and then give us room. And then if they decide to move Tobias Harris for, for picks to a team that let's like, let's just say the Oklahoma city thunder, that it can absorb that money. And then you can go for another guy. But right now it just doesn't look like that. Talking with sports center anchor, Kevin Nagande on Canty and Carlin and Kevin, I was joking about doc rivers, but not really. When you start <laughs> no. to think about what his future looks like in Philadelphia, is it a foregone conclusion that he's going to be back next year? Or do you see the Sixers organization and Daryl Moore going out and trying to find a new head coach? I don't think he's coming back. And, and, I, and I don't think this is not from inside information. This is just look at the tea leaves, look at the situation. I, I don't think Doc is coming back. I think it's going to be a mutual decision on both sides. Again, I'm, I'm going on just following this team, not with any inside information. I think that Daryl's got to get his guy. He'll want to get his guy. Could that guy be Mike D'Antoni? I don't know. But the way we've seen D'Antoni's offense is how, how will a guy like Joel Embiid fit? It has to fit with Joel Embiid. Uh, you're talking about a guy that carries a team regardless of whatever he does. And he's, a, he's just such a special talent. And then where's, gonna, where's Tyrese Maxey going to fit in this if you bring in another coach when it comes to – philosophical differences in the idea of what what we can do can we run can we take advantage i think you got a great foundation with maxi and Embiid, and then you build around all of that just a question of there's a saying that i've i've told my buddies in daryl we trust and i've trusted daryl since he's taken over he's the one that picked maxi 21 overall he's the one that has maneuvered and stole seth curry from the Mavericks. He's the one that has done everything he could to make it right with Ben Simmons and then still found a way to get value. I know people are like, oh, the, the Sixers got fleet. No. Well, you weren't going to get any production from Ben Simmons. You at least get something from James Harden to see if you want to make a decision on him in his future. So I trust Dow that he'll make whatever decision. It, it's the right one for Joel Embiid in the future. All right. Kevin Nagandi, ESPN Sports Center anchor. Let me counter that for a second. You bring in Mike D'Antoni, that might be Daryl Morey's guy, but the perception is that's James Harden's guy. So oh, I'm going yeah. to throw, throw a name at you instead and want to get your reaction. Jay Wright. I can tell you, and I'm going to see Jay in a couple nights here at the Dick Vitale Gala. I can tell you for multiple years, Sixers ownership has loved the idea of Jay Wright jumping to the NBA with the Sixers. And there were many conversations that, you know, in the Philadelphia area, why, why would Jay go there when he could specifically just coach a team for 35 games, still be the, you know, toast of the town, the king around wherever, where, you know, Philly's a basketball city. People don't realize that through and yep. through where he could be the king of basketball in that town, regardless. Why would he jump to, you know, a Sixers team where you're grinding, then you've got to deal with, you know, guys that don't want to listen to you because they have more power than you do in the locker room, as we have seen for multiple coaches through the years. I don't know, but I would love to see if that were a possibility. But is that is that Daryl's guy? And also, the the jump from college, and Jay's phenomenal. Jay handles everything really well. But the jump from college to the NBA is just a different beast. I, I just look at a, a perfect example, Billy Donovan, who won two titles at Florida. Phenomenal coach. Just look at the wear and tear it's taken on him over the last few years. And, and in Oklahoma City, then going to Chicago, it is tough. And there's a reason why many of these kings in college basketball stay on that level 
and they don't want to go uh, to, to the pros because it's just a different beast. Kevin, before we let you get out of here, I got to ask you about NFL Draft Weekend and what your Eagles did. How did you feel after the weekend was over with, with the moves they Man, made? Man, Canty, I was in heaven. And I know you guys talk Giants and Jets. Those two programs and franchises hit home runs. But for Howie to nail it for multiple reasons, not only do you get somebody that can succeed Fletcher Cox there up the middle and Jordan Davis, you get a bona fide star at wide receiver who's only 24 years old to help Jalen Hurts with one specific thing. A.J. Brown, the intermediate passes across the middle. That will bail Hurts out in so many ways. And then that frees up Devontae Smith to go up against the number two cornerback. That changes the entire outlook of this offense. And I also think it puts Jalen Hurts on the clock because, listen, we all know the 2023 draft is loaded with first-round quarterbacks. I mean, we could talk about it right now or we could talk about it in a month or two months or seven months or a year from now. You're going to see at least six quarterbacks taken in the first round. Maybe, maybe the idea of eight sneaking in if we in the top 40, right? So with that, how he get the, gets the arsenal, he still gets A.J. Brown, doesn't give up any picks where it's going to affect him next year. He's still got multiple picks for in the first round next year to move up to get somebody he wants to land maybe at quarterback. I think it was just an absolute home run with the Eagles. And we haven't said that often when it comes to Howie Roseman and draft picks. Dude has nine lives, Kevin. You know that. Dude has nine lives in that town. Yes, he does. And you know what? I think he realized after striking out with Jalen Rager a couple years ago, he's probably on his ninth live. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, Kevin, we appreciate a few minutes of your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Fellas, be good, man. Take care. All right. That's Sports Center anchor Kevin Nagande. You can get at him on Twitter at Kevin Nagande. Coming up next, what must the Mavs do tonight to get a win in Phoenix, and how big is this series for Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton? Carlin and I will chime in. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. (laughs) Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Was that the Chewy? Yeah. Was that, the chewy? was that my Chewy or was that the actual Chewy? No, that was the actual that Chewy. That was the actual Chewy? Am I correct? That was the actual Chewy, right? Yeah, but Chris's Chewy is much better, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm sure we'll be able to tee that up. I mean, Listen, man, we got to lean into it, man. Everybody's know, doing it. Just accept it. It's May 4th. But my thing is, Have I'm keeping it real. It. I gave you an 8. It's not a 10. I gave you an 8. Okay. All right. That's fine. Well, keep it real with us. Does Dylan Brooks' flagrant <laughs> foul warrant a suspension? If so, how long? Hit us up on the CC call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Mike and Travis, we see you. Going to get to you guys in five minutes. But, Carlin, on the front end of this, we got to talk about game two, Mavs' sons tonight. Now, in game one, DeAndre Ayton feasted. He got everything he wanted. And one of the narratives around DeAndre Ayton's young NBA career has been he's the guy that the sons took instead of Luka Doncic, who – by 
every standard or according to every basketball person that works for ESPN is the best player under the age of 25 in the NBA today. And so it's hard not to look at this as DeAndre Ayton wanting to prove to the rest of the NBA and prove to the Phoenix Suns that they made the right choice in taking him number one overall several years back. But this is, you can't have this debate anymore. You know, DeAndre Ayton was kind of the last guy where a GM would pick a guy first overall because he was a big man with incredible skills. Uh Now it's just about get me the best player, period. And DeAndre Ayton's a very, very good player. He's a good player. He's, He's not a great player. He's not a superstar in the league. He's a very good player. But what I would say about this is, if you're going to go with the idea of let Aiton get his and we'll worry about the rest, I think it's a winning formula. Like, I'm not worried about that at all. Because, you know, I reached out to somebody today who's, you know, somebody around the league, who uh, former coach who knows, you know, what he's talking about. Yeah. And I asked him about this. How do the Mavericks do this tonight? And he's like, Aiton is a problem, but he's he's just not a great offensive player. He's dangerous in the two-man game with Paul, but... If he's going to be the guy that is going to be doing a lot of the damage, you're not. You're in pretty good shape. You know, you could find a way to deal with. It. The problem is that the Suns have everybody else that they have. Yeah, that they just have too much to work with when they've got Paul and then they've got Booker, and it, there's so much to try to navigate through there. So maybe the Mavericks are just better off playing small. Well, yeah, I don't hate the idea of Maxi Kleber being your center and being able to space the floor and taking Dwight Powell off the court because I don't think you can match up size-wise with what DeAndre Ayton brings to the table inside. Heck, you probably can't even match up with JaVale McGee because he was a factor in game one, too. So I would look at it from this standpoint. Let's give ourselves every opportunity to have the best offensive lineup out there to give ourselves a chance to match buckets with what the Phoenix Suns do and – Let's also be honest about this. The Dallas Mavs have been a good defensive team all year long under Jason Kidd. Yeah, they have. They did not show that through the first three quarters of game one. Now, you saw them pick up the intensity on that end of the court in the fourth quarter. Maybe a little bit of that was Phoenix taking their foot off the gas, but they did shoot 67% from the field in the fourth quarter. That's what they need to do for all 48 minutes in game two if they want to have a chance of stealing home court. This is asking a lot. It's asking a lot, but is it asking a lot? Against a team that just went to the finals? Can can you hear me out? Is it asking a lot for Jalen Brunson to be better than he was in game one? He was 6 of 16 in game one. Yeah. Jalen Brunson probably played his worst game of this series in game one. I don't think it's a heavy ask or it's, it's, it's presumptive to say that he's going to be much better in game two. All right, well, we're setting the bar pretty low, but yeah. Okay, yeah, we're I'll setting the bar that. pretty low. Now, does that mean I think Luka's going to go off for another you know, 45-plus point night? No, I don't, but I do think Luka Doncic can be every bit as effective in terms of getting his buckets but also facilitating the greatness of his teammates. And that's what I think is going to happen in Game 2. But I, I don't even think it's fair to expect them to play close to the level that they did in the fourth quarter. I mean, they played really, really well in the fourth quarter the other night. When you could argue maybe, well, as it turned out, it was too little too late. But at the same time, like, they're not going to go out and shoot 60%. They're, they're not going to go out and shoot 55%. I, I don't see that happening. I, I think you're in a situation with Phoenix where you have entirely too much to contend with. And maybe on the defensive end, Chris, 
that's going to end up taking a lot more out of you because of it. You 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 can go let Aiton get his, and he may get thirty, and maybe it's not, but it's not going to be like just a a gliding around easy thirty. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to be the prettiest of thirties, but he'll get it. I, I'd rather go that route and worry about everybody else. Well, I'll say this: I think people have a distorted view of who the Dallas Mavs are. Because I'll say this. They're not the Mavericks of Dirk Nowitzki. No, they're not. No. But if you look at the final couple of weeks of the regular season, I can make an argument that there wasn't a team that was playing better in all of basketball Very than true. the Dallas Mavs. Very true. Like, the, the, the number three seed in the Western Conference was up for grabs in the final game. That's how they found themselves in trouble with Luka Doncic getting hurt with that calf injury in the first place. So I, I absolutely expect that this Dallas Mavs team is going to be more competitive. Do I think they have as much firepower as Phoenix? No, I don't. But do I think there's a path to victory for them? Yes, I do. You think they win because tonight? They, because they do have the best player on the court in Luka Doncic. They have the best they player do. on the court. They do. They have the best player on the court. They do. Now, Phoenix might have the next best four or five guys. Yeah, that's but, the problem. But they have the best player on the court, which gives you more than a puncher's chance. Yes. I. Do you think they're winning tonight? I think tonight is going to be a coin flip game. Do you think they're winning tonight? It's going to come down to the last possession. Do you think they're winning tonight? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't feel confident picking either team to win tonight. I, I don't. I, I expect the Mavericks to play much better, but I don't expect Phoenix to give up home court. Here. But you wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix lost. I wouldn't be shocked. That's my point. Wouldn't be shocked. That's my point. I still don't expect this to be a six or seven game series. Oh, okay. All right. Look. I don't even know what to do with you right now, so I'm going to go out to the calling line. Let's bring on Mike in the Bronx. Mike, you're on. Carlin and Canty, what's up? Yeah, what's going on, CC? Can't call it, man. What I, you I got for us? Hey, can you hear me? We got you. What you got? Hello? Go. Hey, I, think, uh, that, that Dylan, I think that Dylan Brooks foul is being uh, a little uh, blown out of proportion. Uh, with all due respect to Gary Payton and the injury, I don't think he intended for that. And I, and I don't think intent should be overlooked. But Steve Kerr set the tone in the beginning of the series when he said this is going to be the most physical series we've played. And then well, he they said went it before yesterday. Played. He said it before game two. But I don't think that set the tone. I mean, he was more trying to prepare his team for the physicality that he was going to see last night. But it's not like Steve Kerr was out there saying we're going to go bust some heads. No, but he knew that the Memphis Grizzlies were going to respond to how they got punched in the mouth in game one. Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what they did on their home court. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Suns host the Mavs. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 9.30 Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. Coming up next, your calls on whether Dylan Brooks' flagrant foul warrants a suspension. Plus, was Ryan Tannehill out of pocket for saying it's not his job to mentor the rookie Malik Willis? We'll chime in on that, but first, a word from Indeed. If your summer hiring program is heating up, then the whole process needs a little bit more chill and Indeed is here to give it to you. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can even schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from your Indeed website. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 toward your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get back to your calls on the CC call-in line about Dylan Brooks and whether or not that flagrant foul warrants a suspension. And we encourage you guys to jump on board. Triple H say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. That's the number to be able to let your voices be heard. But, Carlin, we got to pivot to the NFL because we had a quarterback in the National Football League say something out loud that is cringeworthy. And when I say cringeworthy, it's like nails on a chalkboard at Catholic school. That, that That's how it felt when I heard this statement. It came from Tennessee Titans starter Ryan Tannehill when asked about the 86th overall pick, the Titans' third-round selection, Malik Willis. And you know what? I want to say what Ryan Tannehill said, but I think Ryan Tannehill does a better job of it. So let's just listen to the clip, and I want to get your thoughts on the other side of it. Take a listen. Texted Malik right after right after we drafted him as well. Um, yeah, I wasn't wasn't informed of that beforehand. But uh, same thing with AJ, right? The team's going to do the best thing that, that they that they think is is best interest of the team. And you know, I have no problems with Malik. And it, we're competing against each other. We're uh, you know watching the same tape. We're we're doing the same drills. Um, I don't think it's my job to mentor him. But um, you know, if he learns learns from me along the way, then um, then that's a great thing. Okay, so here's my problem with that. And we talk about this a lot on this show, Carlin. Quarterback by nature is a leadership position. And football, last time I checked, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. So in a roundabout way, Ryan Tannehill, it is your job to help Malik Willis become the best football player he possibly can be. Now, your primary responsibility is to be the best quarterback that you can be, but you also have to try to help your teammates. That's why you got a contract that paid you Four years, $118 million. You're in the third year of it, and you're scheduled to make $36 million according to your cap hit. So, yeah, I think that responsibility falls on you to some degree as well. Other thing that I have a problem with, the insinuation that you deserve a heads-up from the team when they're using a third-round pick on Malik Willis is absolutely ridiculous. How fragile is your psyche if you're Ryan Tannehill, that you need to be informed by the team. And then you go on this soliloquy about how you weren't notified by the team and the team is going to do what they want to do. This is conduct that's unbecoming of a guy that you would assume is supposed to be their franchise quarterback based on the contract they gave him a couple of years ago. Sam Darnold got a heads up. Got a heads up from the Carolina Panthers that they might be picking a quarterback. I'm not saying Tannehill's right. He's not right. Grow up. Honestly, grow up. After three interceptions in, 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 the, Chris, in the in the divisional round, uh, you deserve a heads up? Uh, no, you don't. You don't. Chris, he, let's call this what it is. Ryan Tannehill's really had one really good year and two semi-good years together. And in those two years combined, Derrick Henry rushed for 3,500 yards. Yeah. So just check yourself, all right? Ryan had a season where he went 33-7, and seven, and that's been it. And... 
to look at what happened in the postseason this year and to all of a sudden feel like just because you got that contract a couple of years ago that now you are on the level of quarterback in the league that is more than worthy of getting a heads up on that, that's just an incredible lack of self-awareness. Ryan Tannehill needs to remember he's Ryan Tannehill. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, when he was annoyed about Jordan Love, I get that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you should be annoyed about it for five years, but I get that. Mm -hmm. At this point, if you're Tannehill, you want to talk about it not being your job to mentor him? I'm not shocked by that. And you can tell me from personal experience here where I'm wrong. It strikes me that in the NFL, at virtually every position, there is an expectation for you to help with the younger guy that is coming up yes. if you are a further along veteran. But there is one position that that does not seem to apply to in its quarterback. Roethlisberger didn't do it. But I'll tell you a story about Tom Brady. Tom Brady, from this is from really good sources, from what I was told about his time in New England, especially when Garoppolo was there. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady told Garoppolo, you get one question a week. And that question might be, Tom, how you doing? Then you're done for the week. That's it. One question a week. That position, for whatever reason, they de management or anybody else doesn't put that same level of accountability as they do with every other position. It's curious that you use Tom Brady as the example. And because, he's not. Listen. Because the incumbent quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, did exactly that for Tom. Exactly. He stepped in for Tom Brady, and he helped Tom Brady. He mentored him. And, and yep. remember that playoff game against your Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, I do. When Drew Bledsoe stepped in because Brady couldn't play? And, and remember. And, and then he relinquished the reins once he got him to the Super Bowl and allowed Tom Brady to be the starter. And remember when Bledsoe, on the sideline, before the final drive of the Super Bowl, says, hey, go sling it. And guess what? It wasn't the only time Drew Bledsoe did it because I was down in Dallas when Drew Bledsoe did the same damn thing to Tony Romo. So you're saying that it doesn't apply to the quarterback position? I'm saying, and yet I've been on teams where I've seen it happen. All right, but this and is that's why an I'm asking but you. That's an example of what leadership at that position should look like. But let's let's agree on one thing: there are plenty of quarterbacks in the league who do the same thing, who are not going to help the guy that's behind them to take their job. Sure, and those quarterbacks aren't the guys that we. I mean, Montana never did it for Steve Young. Was never, never going to do it. Never did it. Never did. There it. are plenty of them. Never did it. You're right, and and I get it, and I understand where they're coming from. There's a competitive nature saying, who the hell are you guys to draft him when I'm still playing at a high level? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, et cetera. But then I when you throw Ryan I Tannehill's under, I name. I understand that. We're talking about all-time greats. Exactly. When you throw Ryan Tannehill's name in there, the question is, which doesn't belong and why? Exactly. <laughs> that ain't exactly a hard one to get right on no. the SAT. No. Yeah, so keeping it, it, keep it pushing, Carla, because I know we got plenty on this. We'll have to get back to it. We see the calls. David and Maui, Matt in Matt and Penn, Morrison, Maryland, we see you. We're gonna get to the Ryan Tannehill slander that we're spewing on our airwaves. But coming up next, college football forming a task force to manage and regulate NIL. What's that you say? <laughs> exactly. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio back after this. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase.
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. And calling on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And big fella, we were supposed to get to some NIL talk with the college, uh, I guess, regents or the administrators wanting to form a task force. But we've got an overwhelming response to our Ryan Tannehill conversation. And some people think it's Ryan Tannehill slander. And one of those people is Morris in Maryland. Morris, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, what's going on, Chris? How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. So, in the I've never been in an NFL locker room, but in the real world, uh, no one ever wants to train their replacement or their supervisor. So I don't know why that's different for NFL quarterbacks. I mean, now he shouldn't have said it because, well, you're responsible for what comes out of your mouth, but – Everybody thinks that in their mind. I'm not training the guy behind me. So let me ask you this question, Morris. If you're Ryan Tannehill and you don't go out of your way to try to help Malik Willis develop as a player and you happen to get hurt this season, your team ultimately would suffer because Malik Willis is not as developed as he possibly could have been if you would have helped him. So where, where, where from a leadership standpoint, is your quarterback stepping up and doing what's in the best interest of the team? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Well, by that, he just, all he has to do is lead by example. He doesn't actually have to take him under his wing. I would say no, that's no, the no, 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 this, no, this, no, no. Quarterback is different, man. Listen, quarterback is absolutely different. There are so many different nuances at this level of the sport. The complexity of the offenses that you're operating, the defenses that you're going against. It's different, man. Breaking down tape. You don't know how to watch tape coming out of college. All of those things are new learnings for Malik Willis. So I don't understand why Ryan Tannehill has to put it on wax that he's not going to go out of his way to do that. You don't have to do that, but why are you going to come out and publicly say that? And during the season, everybody's on team quarterback who's in that room. Whoever the starter is, everybody's on team starter, right? Yeah. All the backups, everybody, everybody's doing everything they can to make sure that they're prepared for the game. They're helping the starter break exactly. down tape in scouting reports. Exactly. That's what they do. So Malik Willis is going to be charged with doing that during the regular season. And he's not supposed to that's get anything part, in return for that's that? That's the part of the backup's role. He gets yeah. nothing for that? Yeah, of course. I 100%. Listen, I'm just not surprised by it. I'm not defending it. I'm just not shocked by it. Because we see this with quarterbacks all the time. And some guys just have an incredible lack of of self-awareness when it comes to what they actually are. Well, here's the thing. I can understand that, but when I'm paying you $38 million on my salary cap this year, I I don't want that from you. I I need you to be more of a leader, especially with the taste that you left in the fans' mouths, in that locker room, and in the organization. Three interceptions in the playoff game. Come on, man. It's not Gucci. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Still taking your calls on the CC call-in line on Dylan Brooks and whether or not that flagrant foul that he had last night on GP2 deserves a suspension. 
Let's go out to Corey in Greensboro. Corey, you're on Kenny and Carlin. What up? What up? How you doing? Good. What you got for us? Now, I was thinking that uh, the NBA should probably spend you for two games so he don't go out to the Bay. San Francisco, same thing, where TV's from, because they might try to get at him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Brooks should be getting two games because you need, as Chris said earlier, and this is 100% accurate, you need to grab hold of this series and make sure that this does not escalate further and the best way to do that is to be harsh in a situation like this. And it does not matter whatever he's done before. That was a vicious swing. He may not have had the intent of hurting somebody, but that that was the result. And that's why you have to deal with it swiftly. Yeah. Listen, if I'm in that Golden State locker room, I want my pound of flesh. Yeah. I do. And if the NBA doesn't give it to us in the way of a suspension then let's just go ahead and use one of our bench guys, whether it's Juan Toscano-Anderson or somebody like that, somebody that we know we're not playing. Hey, John Morant goes airborne, knock him out of the air. Why not? And and, and see, here's the thing. The outrage would be so much greater, and that's a part of the problem that I have when it comes to what kind of discipline is going to be levied toward Dylan Brooks. Because if it's only of – the one-game variety, or they're going to fall back on the ejection and him missing the majority of the game because it happened three minutes into the game. I'm not good with that, Carlin. No. I'm not. And, and furthermore, it's not a deterrent to, uh, to to curb behavior like this in other playoff series, not just this one, no. but just looking around the NBA because we know how much of a difference a key injury can make in terms of determining the outcome of what that series is going to be. It can be an absolute killer. It can be an absolute killer. I absolutely look at this and believe the league needs to come down harsh on Dylan Brooks in this spot. Let's go out to Roy in San Antonio. Roy, you're on Kenny and Carlin. What up? Man, you know what? This is so bad. That was three minutes into the game. Are you kidding me? You normally see that at the end of the game when it really, really counts. This guy didn't even go after the ball. He knocked him off balance. Well, but they were, to... Listen, they were going to set a tone right away. They were going to make sure that Golden State knew they were going to come out and be as physical as possible and not let things happen easily for the Warriors. Yeah, well, they got punched in the mouth. Yeah. That's what happened. And they were embarrassed that it happened on their home court. And John Morant talked about not going to bed until 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning after game one because he missed that layup and how frustrated he was. This was the, the Memphis Grizzlies collectively saying, we're not going to be bullied by a team just because they won three championships in yesteryear. We're the guys, we're the better seed in the Western Conference standings, and we're going to come out here and assert our dominance and assert our physical presence. They took it too far. And now you're talking about GP2 and his playoffs being in jeopardy and potentially his career being in jeopardy with a fractured elbow. Kyle in D.C., Kyle, you're on Kenny and Carlin. What's good? Man, I love your attitude right now. I completely agree. I was going to say at least one game, and if it happened in a regular season five game. Let me say, say this was a big-name person or whatever like that. Everybody be calling for suspension. This happened to Clay Thompson two years ago in the finals, but nobody talks about that. Clay was going up for uh, for a layup in the air. Danny Green went, yep. went straight for him. Mm-hmm. What happened? Clay missed two years of his career for that, but nothing happened to Danny Green or whatever. It's just to be a blatant rule. If a player's in the air, if you're not going for the ball, 
it's not oh you hit him in the legs and you hit him in the head, automatic suspension. And probably two, three games. I'm gonna be mad if he was suspended for the rest of the um um uh, for the rest of the series or whatever. I mean this is this is ridiculous. The NBA definitely should come on harder. And I won't name names, but it was one of your correspondents on the morning show this morning talk. You know, it was he doesn't he didn't understand the situation. Hey, Kyle, Kyle, we lost you, but I, I get where you're going, and I'm absolutely with you. When a guy is airborne, he's completely defenseless, Carlin. Yep. This is like the defenseless receiver rule in the National Football League. And you don't see that head hunting anymore because the NFL did enough to curb those behaviors, and now the NBA needs to take a similar tack. Hey, you know, Christian, here's the other thing. Okay. What I don't want to hear from the NBA purists right now, hmm. players now are soft. You know, players now have got to toughen up. Dude, this is we're not going back to the 90s. You can't be tough if you're in the no, air. No. You have nothing to brace yourself but with. But not even that. When I say soft, I mean the fact that they they can't go after them and, and do the stuff that Charles Oakley used to do and do the stuff that Bill Lambeer used to do. This is a different time, and you don't do that anymore because they want to take care of the playmakers in the game, and they want to keep people entertained. That's not soft. It's smart. Well, I mean, a lot of guys make business decisions, but I'll say this, Carlin. If I'm in the locker room with GP2 and I've seen how hard that guy works and I know the backstory to it and how hard it was for him to get to the Golden State Warriors and to become a key cog in their rotation and to see him flourish this year, it sucks to have that ripped away from you, especially when you have a team that was considered the odds-on favorite coming out of the first round to win the NBA title. If you're a That's teammate, a problem. If you're a teammate paying attention to everything he's gone through and you listen to Steve Kerr's comments about that, you – Probably wear it on yourself a little bit. Like, when you talk about the pound of flesh, Yeah. like for me, I can only speak for me. I'd want to be the guy to go out and take care of it. Yeah. I'd want to be that guy. Carlin, I'll take it a step further. I was that guy. <laughs> I was that guy. You're not going to mess with my guys. You're not going to mess with Justin Tuck. You're not going to mess with JPP. You're not going to mess with OC because I was on that defensive line. Me and Linville Joseph and Rocky Bernard. That was our job. Like, there are certain guys on teams that wear that bully label, that that play that bully role to protect the other stars so they can make plays. If you're one of those guys for Golden State, if the NBA won't do it, then you got to do it. And that's why I say the league office has to get a grip on this series or things can go left in a hurry. Okay, Martin in Houston, you're on with Kenny and Carlin. What you got for us? Chris, you guys are my new favorite show, but you just said something that disappointed me, a pound of flesh. I think that's what that act was, because if you look at it in game one, Draymond took Morant out on a, a layup that he knocked him down on his back. No foul was called. Draymond got foul number two on the flagrant. I think Dylan Brooks was the pound of flesh act, according to uh, – what I'm looking at. Well, but Xavier, this- what, what about what Xavier Tillman did to Draymond? Well, I, that was dirty. He <laughs> <laughs> what? Think- Come on, Martin. I'm, Come I'm on, Martin. I'm going to call it fair. I'm going to call it fair. Appreci- it. Martin, Martin, we appreciate the call. You, you got you to stall me out with that one. Completely different circumstance. Dylan Brooks didn't even attempt to make a play on the ball. No. He didn't even attempt it. And that's, for me, the problem. He didn't jump. He didn't go for the ball. He just knocked GP2 out, and now he's not going to be a part of the playoffs. Coming up next, what does James Harden need to do tonight to help the Sixers get the dub?